Angie, before you tell us who our guest is going to be today, mm-hmm. I, I want to make a comment about our last episode entitled Saving the Monarch Butterfly. You know, when we shared that episode, mm-hmm. the monarch butterfly came into California. Very cool. Yes, I read about that, and everyone was really happy because their numbers are finally increasing. Yay, butterflies. It's such a beautiful thing to see when you see a bunch of black and orange butterflies. Yeah, and if you missed that episode, you might want to check it out because yeah. it was a particularly nice one. Hi everyone, and here we are celebrating what people love to do creatively by giving them a voice. I'm Rod Jones. And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to the Thought Row Podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen. And our episodes are always absolutely free to listen to. Um, You can go to our website at thoughtrowpodcast.com and you can listen to current and past episodes right there on the website so you don't have to download an app or anything like that. That's incredibly convenient. It is. So tell us who our guest is going to be today. I'm kind of excited about this one. I am too. She is so wonderful. You guys are really going to like her. Today we're going to be speaking with Terry Nakamura, and she is a social media consultant and the author of the book, Blogging on Instagram, Engagement Writing on One of the World's Best Social Media Platforms. One thing I'm really excited to hear from Terry is how to be more successful on social media. And for me, especially Instagram. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Before Before we bring her on, how about laying your quote on us? Okay, here's my quote. Here's the quote. I should say it's not my quote. Um, The secret to living well and longer is eat half, walk double, laugh triple, and love without measure. And that is, I think, a Tibetan proverb is what I have seen. Yeah, it would make sense. Yeah. Uh, Well, I'm doing, I'm walking a lot. Yes, you are. And I laugh, no problem. I laugh at what I do when we podcast. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, you laugh a lot. Really, you do. And love triple. No, just love Love without without measure. measure. Yep, do that. Do that. But I guess where I'm a little weak is eating half. Well, that is kind of hard sometimes because well, you're hungry and you want to eat, right? Yeah, but we eat really healthy. I mean, it's amazing how healthy we do eat. And you can eat as much spinach yeah. as you want, right? Well, yeah, and we have spinach and, you know, all the good stuff, all the good for you stuff. And well, then that way when you when you eat something a little naughty, then it's not too bad. Well, I think that's really a good uh, quote, yeah, yeah. And one that we should all try to follow. Definitely. But now it's going to be time for your Rod's motivational moment. So. Well, my motivational moment is uh-huh. thoughts and ideas have a shelf life. They have a mysterious way of fleeting. Write them down. Gosh, entirely true. And how many times have we chatted about that on the show? We've chatted about this quite a bit. And Mm -hmm. I have made the comment that I'll wake up in the middle of the night, most specifically three o'clock in the morning, Mm -hmm. and I'll write something down, a brilliant idea will come to my head. Thankfully, I just put my head back on the pillow and go right back to sleep. Yeah, but you write it down, right? I, I definitely write it down. I yeah. I tried once before. I thought, okay, if it's a really good idea, You'll remember it's going it, to stay. Right? Yeah, but, but guess what? Don't. 
Well, sometimes it does, but more often than not, it doesn't. And I think I get a sense of security when I write it down. And then I could go back to sleep quite comfortably knowing, and then I have to admit, mm-hmm. I have got up in the morning, yeah. looked at my note and go, what the heck were you thinking? <laughs> well, yeah, that's three o'clock thinking, right? In yeah. the middle of the night thinking. And the other one I like is when, and we all do this, when we go from one room to another room right. to pick up something. And then we walk over that threshold, and then we go, what did I come in here for? Yeah, you forget. That's so true. I think we all do that because our our minds are going really fast. Well, I guess the psychologists tell us there's a reason why we do that. Mm -hmm. But like you suggested, what if you just have sticky notes and you go, oh, I'm going to go to the room and get a book. You write it down on the sticky note. You go through the threshold. Mm -hmm. And then... And refer to your notes. You refer to your notes. I now, like I like your idea about the pencil. Uh, I, you know, I I think that you should get a lanyard and get a teeny tiny notebook, and then attach it to the lanyard, and then you have to go to IKEA or a golf store and get a little tiny pencil, and you can put it in there in the little spiral area. And anytime you get a news flash idea, you can just write it down. Yeah, rather you're going into another room or not. Maybe you just right. have a cool idea. Right. You'll look kind of silly with that hanging around your neck. Well, you know. But what the heck? All in all in the of, of hey, ideas. Better right? to do that than lose a great idea. Right and, on. and we all are capable of producing some really great ideas. No, I have a question for you though before yes. we go on. Is there a certain room in the house that you go to that you're like, this is the oracle room where I get messages from I don't know where because they're always good ideas? Mm, well, I know I often joke about one particular room. I do get good ideas in our office yeah. and in the studio, especially when I'm painting. Mm-hmm. I get reasonably good ideas when we're in our podcasting room. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I know what you're alluding to. Yeah. Tell us about your special room, Rod. <laughs> well, it seems like when Angie and I are writing and working on a project, and then I get up to go to the restroom, and then I come running back with this brilliant idea. It's the smallest restroom in the house. It's right in the center, no windows, no nothing. But for some reason, it seems to be a magic vortex for great ideas. It is. every time. Like the last two days, every time you go to the bathroom, it's like, oh, I have a great idea, and you come running back. Yeah, and actually, they're pretty doggone good ideas. They, that's they were. What's, so that's what's even more shocking. That's your energy space, <laughs> that Apparently, bathroom, that's the, the teeny zone. bathroom. Yeah, I agree. My For me, I like the shower. I like I like having ideas in the shower. Like this morning, I had a really good idea. Mm-hmm. And then um, sometimes when I'm cleaning, like, I think it's the repetitive motion of cleaning or doing something. I'll like develop ideas because you're not thinking about what you're doing necessarily. No, it frees up your mind mm-hmm. so uh, creative thoughts pop in and out of your head. Yeah. But again, if you're vacuuming, get that little piece of paper and write it down before you forget it. If you like vacuuming, I do not. Well, whatever. Not my favorite. Whatever but, a yeah. person's doing. Yeah. But, you know, I know we're going to be discussing um, social media with Terry, um, who's our guest today on the show. But what do you think it's done for you, Rod? Mm, 
that's well there is one thing it is a hard question but there is something that i have to say about it i have met some incredible people on social media some i've actually known for 10 years true and uh they're delightful people and some of them are artists and not all of them are artists Mm -hmm. or creative people but they just have been very uh lovely to get to know um i always comment on their posts. They comment on my posts, Mm -hmm. which I really appreciate. I guess that's good for my, what do you call it, dopamine? Yeah, all the chemicals that social media induces in your brain, apparently. Yeah, apparently. But I I think for me, that's probably the thing is the wonderful people that I've met. And I suppose it's helped build our brand. And I suppose it has had some, uh, definitely it's had a positive impact on our podcast. But it's the people, the people that we've met and gotten Mm -hmm. to know. Uh, Mm -hmm. What about you? Well, you know, as you know, I have a love and I don't really know about this relationship with um, social media because on one hand, I love it because, you know, I go in with the intent of, okay, we're going to be concentrating on business. But then really it all dissolves in like one second because we do have long long-time friends on there and people that are very supportive and very kind and very nurturing. And then there's the other part about social media that I don't like, which is people that follow and unfollow you. Like, why? And um, algorithms, I think, really kind of mess things up because sometimes you can't see the people that you really like to see. And there's nothing that you can do about it. So any social media platform, if they can give you a preference of these are my friends and I want that to see them. And even on Instagram, you're supposedly able to put a friends list, but really they don't always show those people on your um, Not consistently. No, no. Not so it's kind of frustrating to me regarding that. Well, the other thing I think is become passe, if I could use that word, is people that have sh- Show that was the seventies. Wait, yeah, passe. passe. Okay, okay, go ahead. Uh, well, give me a two thousand and ten idea. Bomb. Bomb. Okay. Bomb. <laughs> what? What? I, I think what has changed, at least it has in my way of thinking, is people that have twenty five thousand followers and they're only following six people, and I think they think and they that follow they, you. Yeah, well, that they follow you, you know they're going to dump you. Yeah. But the other part of that, I, I I suspect they think that they're really cool or really hot because they have so many followers. The most successful people on social media that I've seen and gotten to know, their numbers are pretty balanced. Yeah. You know, if somebody takes the time to follow you, follow them back. Don't just yeah, dump them. Well, this is supposed to be social media where you're having a conversation with one another. It's just not, you know, building your numbers only and not engaging with anyone. That's not really very social. Yeah, well. Really. But I, you know what? I think it's time for us to bring on our guest, who is certainly more of an expert in that area than we are um, in social media. So let's hear from her. Hi, 
Hi, Terry. Thank you for joining us. This is going to be an episode that virtually everyone is going to learn something from because you are an expert in social media. Yes. Hi, Terry. (laughs) Hi, Terry. Rod and I have been on social media for several years, but I know that we and our listeners are really going to learn a lot from you today. Well, Rod and Angie, thank you so much for inviting me to be here, and I hope that I can share some wisdom that will help other people. Um, it's my pleasure. So thank you. Okay, for great. Me. You're welcome. Well, we know you will share some really good Absolutely. things. Absolutely. But before we start our interview, we always ask our guests what they had for breakfast. So Terry, what did you have for breakfast? This is so um, embarrassingly boring that I had oatmeal <laughs> with blueberries and blackberries. And then I made myself a cup of French roast and um, half and half. And that was the whole the whole thing. It sounds really delicious, though. No, it's very healthy. (laughs) It's very healthy. healthy. And actually, quite a few responses that we have, people have had oatmeal. Oatmeal. So a lot of healthy eaters out there. Yeah, you're in good company. Yeah. You you know, Terry, uh, I'd like to know, we'd like to know, where are you originally from and a little bit about your childhood, and then we'll get on to where you're currently living now. Okay. Well, um, I was born in Colorado. But I grew up in Seattle, so I've been here for many decades. I grew up in a really diverse um, Seattle neighborhood in the South End. There were all kinds of people of different colors and nationalities. And so um, I always thought it was that way for everybody. I always thought people grew up around a lot of different kinds of people. And it was only much later in life that I realized that that wasn't the case. But um, as a kid, I... I really enjoyed um, hanging out outside, and I was a brownie and a Girl Scout. Oh, and nice. Nice. I always loved art, and, you know, it rains a lot in Seattle, so on rainy days, I'd go into my family's junk drawer and grab things out of it and make inventions out of them. So that was one of the things that I, I loved doing, but I was always a pretty creative kid. It sounds like it. Yes. And, and obviously, you still are today. <laughs> So your favorite childhood memory would be? Well, my favorite childhood memory, um, in the summers, we would take a family trip to Hood River, Oregon, because um, my father was from there and my grandparents were there. And I loved visiting them because um, they they had orchards. They grew apples and pears and cherries. And I just really loved my grandmother so much and even though she only spoke Japanese and mm-hmm. I only spoke English, we had a really, really strong bond. And um, and often my, my aunt would sit there um, translating for us because I had so many questions and um, we couldn't speak. But um, but I, I learned a lot through having my aunt there translating my questions to my grandmother and her answers back. So I always looked forward to that. That was really special for me. Well, that's such a sweet story, Terry, and, and endearing. Yeah, that's really sweet. Yeah. Well, it was pretty special because I did take Japanese in high school. But um, when I realized I was getting a B and then the next quarter I got a C, I had to drop Japanese because it was ruining my GPA. Oh, no. 
<laughs> oh, that's terrible. That's too bad you had to drop it, but understand about the well, GPA, at least, right? <laughs> at least you got to write the letter. Yeah, that it, made a, right. a huge so difference true. in your grandmother. She was probably... It was, it was she, very special to my grandmother. Yeah, I bet. Sure. She was extremely proud of, oh, her, yeah. of her granddaughter. Oh, definitely. So sweet. You're next. Well, uh, I'm going to move on um, before we explore social media you are a communications professional with more than 20 years of experience can you share with us your journey terry well i started my business shortly after i graduated from college and um the economy was pretty bad and um i i knew that i wanted to to create something for myself so i began my my studio and um, my first clients were advertising agencies, and I did a lot of work for them. And um, eventually, I, I bought a copy camera. I don't know if you guys know what that is. Yeah, actually, we do. A stat, a stat camera. And so um, I did a lot of um, work for different publications, and I had people working for me, shooting stats and halftones and stuff like that. And then I eventually was doing more work with direct clients um, as a designer, and I my my studio um, stayed in business for a very long time and I made a good living um, really enjoying what I was doing like really thanking mm-hmm. every single day that I was be I was able to make a living doing what I was doing because I loved it so much wow. I could see I, I could, could see, see that too was. yeah and that was in Seattle correct that was in yeah my my first um, real office was in Pioneer Square which was kind of the epicenter of everything back in those days and and i like to call it the golden age of seattle (laughs) because every time you're in your 20s and 30s it's the golden age for you right that's true well yeah but what what a very interesting place to be i mean you obviously you had talented people that were around you too so it makes it even more exciting yeah. yeah i mean all the ad agencies were kind of clustered in that area so it was it was pretty cool you must have had some really wonderful lunches oh i think so yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah well you know yeah we also know that you've created numerous blogs and it's my understanding that you have been a contributing writer and a guest blogger which is kind of interesting mm-hmm. uh, tell us about that terry well um i had an opportunity to write blog posts that have been published here like in different parts of the united states canada and europe and at the time, I just thought it was really fun and exciting to be invited to do that. And I didn't realize there was really any value to it. But because um, I felt like I was doing them a favor since it saved them from having to create content. But um, now I understand how powerful it is to be able to uh, to be a guest blogger and expand your reach through another person's audience. So um, I I was kind of off of it for a long time, but but now I'm starting to pursue it again. And I, I realize it's it's really fun and it is a really valuable activity if you can engage in that. I would think so. You know, I have a kind of a question about that because as a guest blogger, I'm I'm assuming that they give you the subject matter that they want yeah, you to write you, about. Or can you just write about anything you wish? Well, that's not really the case, at least as far as I'm concerned, because since my my knowledge base is in a certain area, mm-hmm. they just mainly want me to write about that. Mm-hmm. And and I usually try to tie it in somehow to, you know, to the, the blog itself. Like if it's if it's an art blog, 
then you know I would try to gear it somewhat to to artists. So it uh, it's it's something that I think that um, everybody benefits from. And like I said, my original thought was that it's really hard to write blog content. And so if you have a guest blogger, then you're off the hook that week. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the biggest issue. If you're turning out a blog every week, you have to create that content. And if you can lay it off on a competent writer, which people obviously did with you, Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. That's good. It's, yeah, it's really a benefit to everybody. But I, I didn't realize how much it was also a benefit to the blogger until, you know, in the last few years, I've started to recognize that. Yeah, well, you know, we all run out of topics. Well, and, and then you, <laughs> have, you have so many other layers to your business, too, usually that, you know, if you've got you've got saddled with doing the blog on top of everything else, it's kind of a, a big commitment. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, like it, producing a podcast. Kind of like that, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it, it is exactly like that. Kind of like that. You guys do such an amazing job with it, too. I'm really impressed. Well, thank you. Well, thank you're you're you so kind. much. Thank you so much. Well, we know you're no stranger to technology and how useful it is in promoting a brand. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that and how you you are engaging with technology and promoting brands? Well, social media has been a really amazing invention um, in technology that anybody can use to promote their brand. and. Um, so Seth Godin um, has been quoted as saying content marketing is the only marketing that's left. And I really agree that in order to really promote your brand and to establish, you know, um, connections with people, it's essential to provide value to whatever it is that you put out. Um, and so people do broadcast a lot of information um, through technology, through different channels of social media but it's also really important to engage with your audience because if you're just broadcasting, it's kind of like it lands with a thud, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, if, but if you draw people into whatever it is, um, there are so many benefits. And one of the things that can happen is this thing called UGC, user-generated content. And when someone is really excited about you or what you're doing or what you've said and they amplify it, that is um, a, one of the most powerful ways that your brand can be validated by others. So I, you know, I, I see um, you, the use of technology is just, just this amazing opportunity for everybody. Yeah. And it's, um, it's sometimes I think it's kind of crowded. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, there, where somebody yeah. said everybody's on there and everybody's screaming for attention. What do you think about that, Terry? Well, it is really crowded. Um, There are certain ways of working around that. For example, on Twitter, um, I have a lot of followers, and I'm following a lot of people as well. And so um, I've developed a technique where I don't really see a lot of the noise or hear a lot of the noise, and that is by only filtering out the comments that are directly addressed to me. You know, and that is like someone tweeting me and saying, at Terry Nakamura, blah, blah, blah. And so when you're only looking at those things, then you know that person is already wanting to connect with you and is saying something specifically to you. And if you answer that person, it, it is an opportunity 
to create um, a conversation that can be ongoing for years, years and years. I mean, kind of a continuing friendship, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and but if you if all you do is you tune into Twitter, for example, and look at the open feed, I, I quite frankly don't know how people can manage that because there's just like this effluence of information, like constantly, you know, loading down your your timeline and you. It's mm-hmm. not even possible to read anything, you know, let alone interact with anybody. So, you know, filtering your your content, your tweets, and um, through mentions is a really great way of really zeroing in on the people who are interested in you, and um, and interested in in your content. Because normally it's people that are making comments about the things I've posted. So mm. I know who's actually reading it, and I can. I can talk to them about it. So if they make a comment, then you'll you obviously respond to them. Oh yeah, absolutely. If somebody if someone addresses me directly on Twitter, there's like a ninety nine percent chance I'm going to respond to them specifically. And does that ever create a uh, kind of a conversation that goes on for a while? Oh yeah. Uh, recently, I reunited with somebody that I've known for about ten years, and we lost track of each other in. Rod and Inchi, this happens a lot when people have weird call signs. Like if they don't use their name or something easy to remember mm-hmm. and, and you haven't seen them for a while, it's sometimes very difficult to remember who was that person, right, <laughs> what was right. their name. Exactly. And so I think it's really important, you know, to have that kind of consistency across all channels. Like whatever your name is, try to use the same name so you can be recognized. But but it's also good to just use uh, a real name or something that's easy to remember. But someone that, that I knew 10 years ago, I finally found her because just by guessing what her name was. And she's someone who actually came to Seattle twice to visit me. But oh, I didn't have, gosh. I didn't know what her, I couldn't remember what her name was or her Twitter handle. So it was just kind of a miracle that we were able to reconnect. But we had many conversations and and had a forty five minute phone call the other day, so it was really nice to catch up. But those oh, are the so kinds good. of things that that happen, you know. That's so good. You guys caught up with each other again. That that would be sad not to at that point. Yeah, I'm going to make a comment because you mentioned Twitter. You're one of the few people that I know who is significantly connected and successfully connected uh, on Twitter. I mean, you, you seem to be, you become very successful on Twitter and you have a huge following. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Did it, you created all that in one week. How did that happen? You know, first of all, you guys, there is an advantage to being an early adopter. And I started on Twitter in 2008. So can you imagine how long ago that was there? I mean, that's like... In social media, that's, that's light like years. lifetime. That yeah. is like, yeah, in dog years, you know, we'd mm-hmm. be like geriatrics, right? So, <laughs> um, but for sure, um, early adoption is, is one advantage of it. But also, it it really kind of centers on um, the content that you share and, and that you create and that you curate and also just making sure that you... Um, you connect with people like you guys have done such an amazing job on LinkedIn, for example, like you connect through following and you and and through amplifying and, and you've been able to, you know, draw people into your your LinkedIn world. And, and I feel, you know, I'm 
like really dipping my toe in the water with it. And I just marvel at the way you guys have done that. But it's very similar to Twitter in some ways. I think it's very mm-hmm. similar. And it I is. think that if you, what's really hard is there are several, you could be successful presumably in several uh, formats. I happen to like LinkedIn a lot, and because we're artists or we create visual art, we like uh, to be on Instagram. Twitter, I've always had kind of an off-and-on relationship with it. that's true. And I think you tell us, Terry, if you were to choose one, is there an advantage of being really strong on one format? I mean, you've done huge success on Twitter. Is there an advantage to being strong in one format? Yes, I think thank you. I think the advantage is that when you're strong in one format and you move to another, there are a certain number of people on that format that are going to follow you over to another channel. And uh, I'm not, I'm sure that that has also happened with you guys. Um, because if they like what they're seeing in one place, um, every channel is a little different and you're not... Hopefully, you're not putting out the same information, you know, cross-posting the same exact information to to everything, because that would be, well, really bad practice in general. But it's nice to be able to see a different side of somebody through what they're sharing on on various channels. And my Twitter feed is very unique to most of what I share. Sometimes I cross-post over to, mm-hmm. to LinkedIn if I think it's relevant, but... Not usually. Boy, if you could see Iggy and I, know, I we we're both like, look at each other and go, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Dun, 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 dun. We, we, do, <laughs> we do that. We cross-post because it's like the same people aren't on all the platforms. So it's like, No, and well, you guys are absolutely it. right. Yeah. You really are absolutely right. But, you know, just in terms of like what I studied in school, <laughs> yeah. which sounds so funny to be my age and, and going back to school, but I did go back to college two years ago to study digital marketing. Ah, and it was idea. just pointed out to me that it it was really a lazy and bad practice to do that. And yet everybody does that. Um, the, the, the trick is to kind of modify it somewhat, like mm-hmm. maybe not use the same image in both places, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. But, but, um, but just doing automatic cross posting is usually not recommended, you know. Yeah. And so I I try not to do that. But but I'm guilty of it as well. So Well that's a good tip. That's I think a that's really a good, good tip, tip for our listeners. Yeah. Because I'm sure we're well, not we're not the only ones. <laughs> oh no, you're yes. far, every I, I I frequently see things on Instagram and I will go over to Facebook and I'll see exactly the same thing like exactly and I go well I already commented on it on Instagram so well, part of, I have to say something that's, again that's, that's us yeah that's <laughs> right us there. but part of that happens because when you do a post on Instagram it will automatic, automatically automatically share it yeah. over there and then you go wow I don't even have to go in there and do it but I guess so it's like check it's done yeah yeah but okay. well my mine has been kind of sequestered over on my business page and and the you know that my business page on Facebook was really only created in order to gain the access to analytics on Instagram. So oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I don't really spend a lot of time on that page, but mm-hmm. but there are a few people who are just you know that aren't on Instagram that like reading it. So yeah, you know that's true. That that works out fine. That's true. Now since we're talking about Instagram, um, I know that a lot of people. 
um, that follow us use Instagram. And I know you have turned your Instagram into a blogging platform. Tell us how and and why. Yeah, why would you do exciting. the blogging on that? Well, you guys, four years ago, I started to write longer posts on Instagram. And there was a reason for it. I was kind of going through a career crisis. And um, and I, I just started like making some random comments on on Instagram about what I was going through. And then all of a sudden I noticed that I was getting really increased comments back to me about what I was writing. Mm -hmm. um, because before I would say, um, walking along the, um, the beach, I saw this today and then put a few hashtags and, you know, just kind of like your perfunctory captions on, on an image. Right. But when I started writing kind of more personally about what I was thinking or experiencing, it was it was really incredible what happened, and and I felt like I'd stumbled on the secret, because um, it was it was repeatable. It was something that people, if they knew about what I was doing and they knew how to do it and they did it, they would be shocked at the amount of interaction that they would get. Because as a blogger for for many many years and putting my heart and soul into those blog posts and then getting like 12 comments back. Right. Um, it, you know, it's really a lot of work for what you get back and comments are the lifeblood of a blog. And then when you don't get very many of them, you're, you know, you feel like you're moribund, right? Right. But, but Instagram was game changing that way because the comments and the interaction was just, it was phenomenal. So I, I felt like it was something that could be shared and learned. And that's kind of what what inspired me to to try to mm. follow up with it and that, do something. With that. I could I that's could see that, point. Terry, honestly, because sometimes I've seen it many times where somebody will write this very extensive blog and they keep doing it over a year and maybe two years and they're only getting you know three or four comments here and there and it feels very discouraging. You feel like your reach is like zero. But when I do that on Instagram, mm -hmm. I write pretty extensively yeah, you do. and then it's maybe a story and then I tell people I have to go to my website to read the rest of it. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that I really enjoy and I've read some of your longer posts, Terry, and mm -hmm. they're really fascinating. I think part of the problem with Instagram is a lot of people just flat don't like to read and sometimes I fall into that category. But it's really interesting when you write something that's fairly long and then you get a short answer back from somebody and they're quoting what you said. I, I think that's kind of interesting in itself or they'll pick one statement that you made because I'm writing stories they'll pick a, a, something the character did and then they'll quote that back in Instagram I think that is kind of interesting mm -hmm. but so your advice to people is to uh, don't write the short sentence that says here I am uh, standing at Heaps Here peak. I am eating this for lunch. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I think really there's room for every kind of person on Instagram, but I'm just uh, I'm kind of speaking more to people who enjoy writing, people who enjoy engagement because if you if you if you're a blogger, you want people to read what you're writing mm -hmm. and and you want to get some kind of validation or feedback and I'm telling you that it's really hard to come back on a blog, even if you have thousands of subscribers. Um, a lot of people will see that 
come into their email and just like not read it, <laughs> right? It's like, true. Because there's so much email, like you kind of go, oh, I'm really not up for this right now. And mm -hmm. then you just end up throwing it away or whatever. But on Instagram, your audience is already there. I mean, they're, they're there instantly the moment you post something. So it's so different from being on a blog. Oh, that's, and that's a great why, point. That's a really um, good point, yeah. Yeah, your audience wants to be there. Where on a blog, they're kind of having to go there, right? Right. So this is, this is so game-changing to use Instagram that way because... Um, one of the one of the things that Instagram is really trying to do is they devised all these things that have caused people to hang out on the platform more, like videos and you know and longer format um, vid movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they really want people to stay on the platform. But when you're writing a, a fairly long post on Instagram, people are staying on the platform longer. And not only are they staying there, they're actually engaging with it because they're thinking, they're responding, you know, it's, and some people are just like saying, nice click, or, you know, something like that. Right. And that's fine. You know, that's, that's really great, too. Or maybe they just like it and move on. But the people who actually stop and, and, and start, you know, looking at what you're saying and then having their own opinion and sharing it and then having other people see their opinion and reacting to what they say. I mean, it's really kind of fascinating because <laughs> that never that never happens that I on any of the blogs that I've ever done, like uh, where people start talking to each other outside of me, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's uh, the Sassy Art Museum. We uh, do some work for them and we notice that these artists will make a comment on another artist's post and then they'll come back and make a comment. It's like they're using it as their own social chat media. Board, yeah. yeah, chat exactly. board. It's really kind yeah, of interesting. Sure. And it's amazing how, how far this goes. Um, you've, you've given us some pretty good answers, but what would be your best advice to anyone that wants to grow their audience? Oh, yeah. Everybody wants Everybody to grow wants their to audience. Grow. Yeah. Well, if you're just starting out, you know, the, it's it's always key to add people that you know to your social media channels. You know, like, um, like on Instagram in particular, tapping into your Facebook friends is the number one thing that you can do to connect followers to your Instagram feed. Mm -hmm. But but it's just really important that, that you share content or curate content that provides value and is interesting to people who follow you. So so there's there's two different channels of, of things going on on Instagram, which is the visual and then the caption. So if you can really be mindful about the kind of visual statement that you're trying to make, you know, you're creating persona, you're in a, in a certain niche, maybe it's cats, maybe it's flowers or whatever, um, you're, you're going to attract those kinds of people based on the visual content. But um, but then the key is like trying to engage with your followers, whether or not you're just thanking them for comments mm -hmm. or making sure that you visit their stuff and, and reciprocal actions. You know, those take time, but those are the relationships that form the basis of growth um, for friends and more followers. And what do, you do, what do you do about the people that follow you and then three minutes later they unfollow dump you. you they unfollow you and i you mean know. when i see somebody that has ten thousand followers and they're following like maybe a thousand or two thousand and they follow you all of a sudden you could be pretty sure that you're not going to be around very long yeah well it, i have really mixed feelings about 
I suppose for me, it's if their if their content provides that much value to me, then I don't care if they don't follow me back because I'm in it to follow their content. But but when people are just gaming the system like that, it it's a problem. I mean, I basically it's made made it so I very rarely follow anybody back now because um, you just take a glance at their profiles and go, nope, that. Yeah. person is you know not in the army and they're not a surgeon and they're not a pilot you know and they're either a widow right or a yeah. widower yeah and they're not they're not god-fearing lonely people seeking their life mate you know and all that other stuff that you end up reading i love it so i just kind of have a tendency to either block them or just ignore them but yeah but really um it it if if you want to really accelerate the process you know, of growing your following followers, you can look at the followers of someone who's really similar to you, like whether they're posting in the same visual niche or whether they're kind of in the same um, like work category, you know, like professional category. Mm-hmm. And you can look at their followers and especially people who are active and engaging with their content, follow those people, you know, follow them, um, add them to um, your your followers list and, and um, engage with a few of their their posts. Maybe make a comment. And a lot of times, <clears throat> when you take the time to um, to follow somebody and make a comment and engage with their content, that's going to be a good indicator to them that that you would be someone that they would be interested in. Especially if you're posting the same, you know, similar kinds of content right. to the person that you're, you know, that you've kind of used as a source, you know. Well, that's and good advice. That's very good that's advice. That's good advice on how to grow because mm-hmm. people don't, I mean, you read all kinds of books and stuff on how to gain followers, but mm-hmm. what you just said certainly makes the most sense. Makes follow follow sense. like minds because they're likely to like what you're to follow sharing. Back. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and, and I think that that's probably the the way that a lot of people have grown their audiences on Twitter and in other places. And I don't know how you guys have managed to like just kill it over on LinkedIn, but I need to get with it. I need to start paying attention to what you're doing because I would like to to make that a more uh, lively and um, you know relevant space for myself. So well, I think that, we can all learn from each other. Yeah, you for know? sure. I mean, we've learned a lot from you just by Absolutely, having you on this yes. podcast. So we'll be happy to share with you. What little we know about LinkedIn, although LinkedIn is a pretty good place to be, I think. It's it's kind of like Instagram where you have to engage just exactly what you were saying, engage with people and, um, you know, tagging people is really and helpful. And writing stories. And writing stories. Just really, it's kind of like Instagram. But I know that LinkedIn seems more businessy, like you should just only talk about business things, but it's really not turning out to be that way at all. And business you know, people guys, are interested in knowing more about art. I mean, they, they, they get tired of everybody talking about business and they want to uh, tap into somebody mm-hmm. else. I mean, mm-hmm. we tapped into a, a, a guitar player mm-hmm. and we, he turned out to be, a, a, we developed a nice friendship with him and he's in Spain, right, Angie? No, he's well. Let me just tell you that that guy kills it. He is so talented, and I totally enjoyed listening to that to that podcast episode because he was great, and you were great, and 
is music and both of you both have like practically identical taste in music to me so so when i was listening to you banding about these names i'm going yes 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 you know (laughs) well what's very interesting about him is he's really good at social media he's growing it we gave him a couple tips and he gave us a couple tips so Mm -hmm. it was a symbiotic relationship that turned out to be really great and just uh, knowing him on linkedin and uh, other musicians have then started following us, and we started following them, and it's it's been uh, a nice category. It's a category that we really like, so it was really enjoyable. Yeah. But, you know, well, we could... we could. He was great. Yeah, he was oh, very yes, good. Yes, he was. Go ahead, Eugene. You know, I, I wanted to ask, Terry, considering your background in business and your knowledge when it comes to research, um, do you, if you had to do it all over again, what would you change? Do you mean about the way that I've done my business? Yes. Yes. Um, uh-huh. Well, it's really strange, but I actually ended up doing exactly what I should have been doing without even knowing that I should have done it, um, because um, because basically when you're when you're starting a business, you really should do some research first. And I did. I I looked at you know I looked at the research of like what were the people what kinds of businesses were in the area because as a graphic designer i wanted to be kind of in a in a place where there were other professionals that were doing similar kinds of work ad agencies design studios and stuff and and especially when i bought the stack camera i wanted to be make sure i was able to pay for that thing so i did i did some research I, i looked at how many how many cameras were in that area and i put together a bank proposal i was like in my mid-20s i put together you know a profit and loss statement all kinds of stuff and gave it to a banker and he gave me a loan which was so crazy because I, I honestly did not know what i was doing but you know i looked up stuff in the library because in those days that's all you could do was right, to go to the library right. and look at stuff uh-huh. But um, but I did do a certain amount of research um, to develop a strategy for for how I planned my business, and um, I think that that research um, in all things, whether you're planning a campaign or planning a business, whatever you're doing, um, it really helps to kind of get the lay of the land before you launch into something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I answered your no, question. Yeah, that no, was, you, that you was did, a great actually. answer. And, and for the entrepreneurs out there, I think they're going to really <laughs> like that answer. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to kind of shorten this question up because Angie's got a really great question after this one, as I see on here. Um, but based on what you said so far, uh, I think you probably are a strong proponent of people promoting their brands like artists or any creative people on social media. Do you think that's really a great place to build a brand? I think social media and particularly Instagram, but, you know, to another, you know, level, Twitter are great places to be if you're an artist. And and if a client is interested in knowing more about you and Googles you and sees that you've embraced technology and that you're accessible, they can look at these feeds and gain insights about you and kind of, learn what kind of person you are, what you do, you know, how you engage with other people. Yeah, I definitely think that it's something that creative people benefit from being there. Okay, great. I I could see that, yeah. 
Okay. Important, important. I like your next question. My so. next question <laughs> is, um, you have a book available on, on Amazon entitled Blogging on Instagram, Engagement Writing on One of the World's Best Social Media Platforms. Um, Terry, share with us why you wrote that book and who do you think will most benefit from reading it? Well, um, I, I kind of alluded to why I wrote the book. I was kind of going through a, a, a career crisis um, like four years ago. Yeah. And so that was sort of the catalyst for the idea of writing a book about it because it was so astonishing what happened that I, I felt like I couldn't just sit on this. I needed to tell other people about it because it was really valuable valuable experience for myself and for others but my book explores the intersection of blogging and social media and and because you're blogging on Instagram you have a presence where your readers already live and they're already them and you don't have they find you and that is like Mm -hmm. right you know off the bat an amazing advantage to being able to blog there so that that was the reason why I wrote the book and I think that the people who most benefit from reading it are people who enjoy writing people who are are already bloggers people um, who would like to to join Instagram but maybe don't exactly know you know how they will use it right Um, I I do think that experienced bloggers um, will be gratified by increased and instant engagement as opposed to to delayed gratification and um, and new bloggers will feel the satisfaction of writing and building connections to engage and become some of your greatest supporters. So there's just there's no drawback, you know, from what I could see. And I just wanted to kind of explain the process to people mm-hmm. if they were interested, you know, in, in any of these kinds of things. And I also think it applies to people who are doing marketing. You know, people are marketing writers who are who are are, you know creating content on behalf of brands you know they can also benefit from it they're they're you know i just really wanted to share the knowledge and because i was so personally excited about it i think you did a great job i think so too i think it's a very important thing to share when you have so much knowledge like you yourself here and you, you know, you know, you've addressed my next question. You've addressed almost everything that I was going to ask you, and I'm going to say oh, part sorry. of it. No, 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 no. I'm going to say part of this for late. No, because what you've been saying has been right on the money. Really here. interesting. So I'm yielding the floor to you. Who me? Yeah. Okay. Well. Do you know the question? I know my question. Okay. Um, I know that you are aware, Terry, of the fact that Rod is a commercial photographer. And you had a lot of experience working with photographers. And it looks like you are making a lot of photographs yourself that you can see on your website. Is that a good creative outlet for you? It's definitely a a great creative outlet for me, but I will always bow down to the professionals. (laughs) I have such profound um, admiration and respect for the pro photographers out there who know about f stops (laughs) (laughs) you know it's just like it's f it's f8 that's the most sharp one (laughs) always remember f8 f8 and also you know like shutters just everything about using a camera which is completely alien to me i 
I just admire it so much. And so it is a great outlet, but I'll always really admire the people who really, really know what they're doing. Well, sure, sure. Understand. <laughs> understand. Well, everything you've done in your career has taken advantage of your writing skills. Uh, in fact, we just discussed that. Right. Is that something that, that uh, Terry, comes naturally to you? Or did you have to overcome some challenges along the way? I wouldn't say I had to overcome any challenges because I've always been kind of a writer. Um, like like back in the day before there were cell phones and, and stuff, there was having a pen pal. I don't know if you know what that oh, is. Gosh, yeah. I had but, several when yeah, I was growing I up. Yeah, pals. so much yeah, fun. And it was, it was really fun to get a letter and write a letter. And so I've always been really interested in writing. But, um, but my discipline as a graphic designer was really more focused on on marrying the two things, the words and the design. And, and so because I do love writing and respect it, I always read everything I designed. And, and not all graphic designers do that. Sometimes they just get the copy and they kind of have an idea and then they force it on whatever, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And it's, for me, I felt like it was really important to read and have it inform the way that um, a, a project would would come to be and so um i i just continued kind of pursuing writing on my own but um but definitely it i think it really made me a better graphic designer oh that's that's an interesting way of looking at it uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to my question now and um, <laughs> you changed your mind i like it <laughs> you no know, i think i think it's, it's i think now's the time to ask you okay um terry what do you think is the Number one takeaway from our discussion today, what do you, if you're going to leave one thought for our listeners, what would it be when it comes to social media? I, I think the number one takeaway is that this is an opportunity that is free and accessible, and it's an easy way to establish a, a public presence. And that given all of those things, how easy it is to, to do it, there's there's no excuse to not do it unless unless you just don't have the bandwidth for it. And that's really legit. Like if you are just so slammed that you can't even take care of what's happening like on your to-do list today, then probably social media um, isn't going to help you. It'll just cause anxiety. Mm -hmm. right. But, but I, I think once you dive in, you learn a lot from what you see and you form connections with people um, and people that you that can help you. Um, Malcolm Gladwell, I think, wrote about how the people that are not in your inner circle, but it's the people in your secondary and tertiary circles that are often the people that are, are going to be most supportive of you. I really feel that that's true. And um, you you kind of establish a lot of those kinds of friendships on social media. So I think it's um, a real I advise people to pursue it. That's a great answer, that and I know we, we have friends that we have met on social media years ago, and we're right. still connected. And still supportive and still so We still support each other, and we're always excited mm -hmm. to hear something new that's going on in their lives and vice versa. It's surprising because maybe in your own neighborhood or in your work or wherever you are, you have one group of friends, but it seems like you can have an entirely different group of friends of like minds, actually, that you meet and uh, communicate with on social media. Is that true? 
I, I totally believe that. In in fact, during the pandemic, I felt like I was in closer touch with my social media friends than my real life friends because, you know, you check in on social media and mm-hmm. you you really get a sense about their day to day lives. You know, where it takes it takes like the effort of making a phone call or FaceTime call or something to to talk to a friend where this kind of readily available instantly you know um exchange of of thoughts and ideas on social media is very very gratifying and and it does feel like you are real life friends and many of the people that I've met on social media I have met in real life and it's just it's a seamless kind of transition to go from online to real life because you really do know these people it's just you know hasn't been in real life until the moment you meet and shake hands or exchange hugs or whatever yeah exactly yeah i i I agree with you on that terry 100 percent. i like the fact that you can also go on vacation on social media because we have friends that live in other parts of the world and they'll send us a little video or pictures of their beach or their mountains or whatever. Yeah. Or their somewhere cool they, they went. Yeah, yeah. They would go or where they ate. Yeah. That's usually the one that drives me the most crazy. They're having all this exotic food in some beautiful country somewhere and we're having ham and eggs. <laughs> well, but but wasn't it just great during the pandemic to be able to travel without ever leaving your home? I yeah. mean oh, that yes. was awesome, you know. That was good because yeah. you didn't have to outlay any cash or any effort. Like it was just brought to you. Here it is. Take a look. Yeah, and if you and ask no, a question, you go, God, what is that that you're eating? And then they come back and tell you all about it. It sounds exciting. And then they go, don't you have that where you live? And we go, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That's great. Okay, well, you're up. Okay, so now we're going to ask you the question we ask all of our guests, Terry. And that is, if you could sit on a park bench and chat with anyone from the past, who would it be? Well, I would love to sit on a park bench with my grandmother and and have available all the new technology that would actually make it possible for us to communicate with each other. Because I think that's possible now where yeah. you can have, yeah. you know, be speaking in different languages and be able to actually have a conversation. And there's so many questions I'd ask her about her life in Japan before she came to the United States and to learn about her family that, you know, I don't know anything about and and just kind of find out, you know, what she really felt about when she when our family was put into camps during the war. And, mm, you know, there yeah. are all these questions that I have that I would love to know the answers to. So I, I, I used to answer this question and say Steve Jobs, but no, no, no. It's my grandmother, yeah. for sure. You'd be surprised how many people refer to their grandparents. Yeah. I'd say that is the number one response that we get. Yeah, a, a lot wow. of response. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's the number one. Because that I think is... people, the unfortunate thing about grandparents is you don't spend as much time with them as you'd like to. Right. And the time that you do spend with them, for the most part, is quality time because they're not busy trying to raise you. Yeah. Uh, they're just being really loving. <laughs> well, and they have do, time for you. Then. Yeah, they yeah. dote. Yeah, they t- that's a good point. They have, they have time, time and they you. dote on you. And they dote on you. But they exactly. also have a lot of knowledge but to all, share. You know what the sad part about, you know, being a child and then having a grandparent and then later on and when you grow up, you're like, I didn't ask them all of these questions that now I have. 
So I can see why yes. you would say that, and I can see where you're coming from, Terry, because it's so. Well, I really appreciate it. Yeah, it would it would be it would be amazing. So that would be my wish for sure. That's well, a good answer. We're wrapping this up, Terry. So yeah. I want to thank you for sharing your thoughts and strategies on using social media. Uh, I know this is going to be a popular I'm episode sure it is. Uh, because uh, rather we like it or not, we're all hooked on social media, but you, you, uh, you shared some really good yeah, information. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, Terry. And, and thank you for sharing with your expertise with us today. And now comes the time that I let our listeners know if you'd like to know more about Terry, we will have links for her under the show guest tab on thoughtrowpodcast.com so everyone can learn more about her. And please connect with her on social media because she's always very interesting and her posts are interesting, so you'll love it. Yeah, connect with her on social media and uh, we'll also have a link for that book because that book has been a real eye-opener for us and I highly recommend it. Yeah. And we don't well, promote guys, books. We don't promote books on our show. You know, this is this is a kind of something that we're more than happy to do because this book is really well, worth reading. It's it's really so so generous, and you guys are the most gracious and professional podcast hosts. And it's been a pleasure to be here, not just talking with you, but on this episode, but also just getting to know you offline. I just I loved. Share our shared experiences and history, and really appreciate the chance to be here with you today. So, thank you so much. Well, you're, really you're so welcome, it, and we feel likewise for you yeah, because we've yeah. enjoyed getting to know you as well. You're very kind, and thank you so much. Okay, well, I guess we need to say goodbye. Yes, goodbye, Terry. Goodbye, Bye-bye. Terry. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day.